house is really excited about what's happening with Multiply. How good is that? How exciting is that? I want to thank you again for your incredible faithfulness and generosity towards that. And because of that, we're able to see above and beyond what we wanted to achieve. We're able to see the kingdom of God continue to advance. And it's again, as Carl said, because of the incredible generosity and faithfulness of the people in this church. So thank you again so much. Because I'm really believing for next year in particular to be a really great year. I'm believing that 2019, the final year of the decade, can you believe it? We're about to cross into a whole nother decade, the 2020s. So this is the last year we have before this decade ends. And I really believe that God wants to do something significant in this next coming year. I really had a sense as I was preparing for this on Friday. I was sitting on the top floor of the new library building in town. I don't know if you've been there yet, but I was sitting on the top floor and there's these great windows all around that floor and you get such an incredible vista of the city. You can see basically from the north, the west and the south all the way along and you get this great view of the city. And so I was looking around and I was seeing all the things going on. You can see cranes everywhere, just cranes everywhere you look. You can see scaffolding around buildings. You can see high-vis vests. See cones and road cones and signs and just a real hive of rebuilding activity going on. And as I was looking around and I was seeing all this, I just had a real sense of rest and peace and calm come over me. And I felt like God, what God was saying was that this next holiday period was really crucial to make sure that we get some rest and some refreshing over this coming time. And to spend time with God, that yes, we need to take our holidays and we go away different places and we hang out with family and we catch up with friends and we do some great activities. But I felt God challenge me and remind me to make sure that he is the place that I get my rest and my strength from. That he is the place this holidays that I am getting refreshed and I'm getting recharged. That yes, I want to do all those great things and spend time with my family. But that he is the place where I spend time in his word, where I am in prayer. I'm spending time in his presence this holiday period. And the reason I feel like God was challenging me that and I feel like he's challenging us that as well is because the next few years are going to be an incredible time of God's kingdom moving and advancing. I feel that next year is going to be a great year, and so I felt God saying to make sure you get some rest now, because you have no idea what I'm about to do. You have no idea what's about to happen in the city. And as I was looking around, and I was seeing construction work everywhere, I was seeing cranes up and about, and I was seeing scaffolding and high-vis vests, I felt God say, he says, you think that's a lot of construction work? You should see what I'm doing behind the scenes. If you think that's a lot of stuff going on, you should see what I'm doing behind the scenes. You should see what I'm preparing for the city of Christchurch. And I believe that God is going to do something great in this city, that the best days of Christchurch are ahead of it and not behind it. And I feel that we as Life Church have a significant part to play in the future of this city. That the people in this room, the people of this church have a significant part to play in the future of this city. And so God is going to do some great things. So I feel him challenging us to make the most of the times of rest that we can, not just physical rest, but spiritual. And spiritual rest is not just doing nothing. Spiritual rest is not pulling out of rosters or not serving anything or not coming to church. It's not, it's not not doing nothing. But spiritual rest is where your inputs are of greater value than your outputs. Where you're in his word, you're spending time in prayer. You're prioritizing enough quality time in his presence, that he is the one who gives you rest rest and refreshing, 
and giving you strength because the kingdom of God advancing does actually take a lot of work. God is going to require work from us. He is going to require early mornings. He is going to require us to be on rosters, to serve, to give financially, to give up Saturday mornings like we did yesterday for Christmas box. And so it will require work. So I felt God reminding and challenging to make sure that we spend those times with him and we put those habits in place now, that we have those systems in place. We're prioritizing that so that we're there there when we need them. Is that okay? Awesome. Okay, I need to get on to my actual message. I'm sorry. Turn with me to the book of John, chapter 15, verse 15. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father has told me. We're getting some chopping and changing. That's all good. So a few months ago, I came across this verse again. I was actually having a conversation with Jeremiah, our kids' pastor, and Paul Bennett, our founding pastor. We were sitting down, and Jeremiah and I were gleaning some wisdom from Paul. We were getting some coaching and some leadership, as we do regularly. And he brought up this verse to us, saying, how good is it that we get to be friends with God? How incredible is it that God actually desires to spend time with us, that he wants to hang out with us, that he desires a relationship with us, that little old Jono in Christchurch, New Zealand, that God wants to spend time with me, the creator of the universe actually cares and thinks about me. And so what does it mean to be a friend of God is what he was asking. Do we know that we're a friend of Jesus and how do we do this? But as we were talking about this and I was looking at this verse, something struck out to me that it hadn't before. I've read this verse many times But this was something that came and slapped me in the face that I hadn't seen before. And it's just two words right at the start of the verse. No longer. No longer. I no longer call you slaves. Now I call you my friends. I no longer call you slaves. But now you are my friends. And it occurred to me for the first time that while the phrase no longer implies that something has changed, before you say no longer, then what you are saying no longer to means there was something before the no longer that is different after the no longer. Something has changed. Something is now different. And so if Jesus no longer calls them slaves, doesn't that imply that before he said this verse, before that he did call them slaves? Doesn't that imply that now you are my friends, that before that Jesus didn't consider them his friends? And I wasn't so sure if I liked that because in my mind, God loves me. He loves us. He wants to have relationship with me. He wants to spend time with me. In fact, he has set me free. He has redeemed me. And so if I apply this to my situation, doesn't that mean that at one point Jesus might've considered me a slave, that he didn't call me a friend? And remember, this is right towards the end of Jesus' time on earth. This is, this is a, a talk that Jesus is giving his disciples. I believe it's over the Last Supper. This is right before he's about to be betrayed and arrested and crucified. And the disciples had been with him for three years at this point. He'd been with them for three years at this point, And now he's calling them his friends. So you're telling me, Jesus, that for three years, 
You considered the people who gave up their lives to follow you. They left their homes. They left their jobs. They left their families to walk around the nation of Israel, following you wherever you went for three years, and you only looked at them as slaves and not as your friends. And that didn't seem to sit quite right with me. And so I've been pondering this over the last few weeks, and I'd like to talk about it a bit this morning. Because for us today, we think of a slave as someone who has no rights. They're the property of someone else. They're someone who does the absolute beck and call of another person. They are owned by that person. For all intents and purposes, they are simply a piece of possession, their property, their livestock. And this is obviously very different to a friend, where a friendship is that close bond you share with someone, that when you desire the best for them, you spur them on, you support them, you know them inside and out. A friend is the person you go to spend time with, to have fun, to feel refreshed and to relax, to go exploring. A great friend is someone you share your life with. And friendship is something that we take time and effort to build. If we want to have a great friendship, it takes a lot of work, a lot of intentionality. A friendship is where two people see each other as equals, not one person owning or dominating another. Friendship is where you spur each other on, you help each other out. If there's a task that needs doing, you come to that person's aid. But what does friendship with God mean? When Jesus says they're now his friends, what is he talking about? What does he mean? What has changed? And we actually get a big hint from Jesus in the verse before, verse 14. You are my friends if you do what I command. So there's a sense of obedience that we are following the ways of God. We're doing what God wants. If we want friendship with God, then clearly we have to be in line with the way he wants things done and we have to follow him that our actions and our thoughts are in line with his. Clearly God won't actually pursue a friendship with someone who doesn't follow him. And so apparently this is one aspect of being a friend, but I hear you go, well, that's great, Jono, but that still sounds awfully a lot like a slave. I could take away the word friend and say, you are my slaves if you do what I command, and that would still make a whole lot of sense. So there has to be more to it than just that. And there is, as Jesus mentions in the second half of verse 15, because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. So there's a sense of trust. A slave isn't aware of what their master is doing. They don't get to be part of the plan. They don't get to see the bigger picture. They don't get to have any involvement. A slave doesn't get a reward at the end of their work. But we know that when we get to heaven one day, we want to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant, that there is a reward for us, a reward for us, We know that Jesus wants to work with us, not for him. And it says that he told them everything the Father told him. He told them. I have told you everything the Father has told me. And how do you tell someone something? It's through communication and relationship. Regular communication and relationship, spending time with one another. We have to intentionally have relationship with God. Jesus even said a master doesn't confide in his slaves. The idea of confiding in someone is intimate and close and trusting. It's that intimate relationship. And so friendship with God is something you develop over time. And so I started to understand all this. I understood these aspects. But the phrase no longer 
was still weighing on my mind. It was still frustrating me because I actually know that I am God's child. That I'm a son of God. That you are a son or a daughter of God. That you are God's child. In fact, every single human being on the planet, regardless of their status or relationship with God, is his child. And so the disciples didn't suddenly become God's children at this point. They already were. They were that from the beginning But it occurred to me that just because I am my father's child, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm friends with him. Just because I'm my father's son, that doesn't mean I even necessarily like him. That doesn't mean I have a great relationship with him. That doesn't mean I trust him. That doesn't mean I allow him into my world. Now, don't get me wrong, I have a great relationship with my my dad, so don't read into that. But clearly the idea of being a son or a daughter of God is different to friendship. We're being a child of God is something that we all are regardless of what we've done. Whereas friendship is something that is built through time and relationship and following his way. So how can the disciples who are sons of God, who are his children, how can they also be slaves? How could Jesus refer to them as slaves? I know that once we were slaves to sin, And that sin ensnared us and trapped us. But how are they slaves to God? But you see, the idea of a slave in this verse is very different to how we think of a slave today. For the most part in this time, slavery was probably better described as indentured servitude. Where the idea was that a person who had accumulated a lot of debt that they couldn't pay back Rather than paying it back because they couldn't, they would go into service of another person. They would go and work and they would live and they would be a slave to that person in order to pay off the debt that they couldn't couldn't repay. They'd pay the debt that they owed to that person by serving them and living with them. And so actually from that regard, we are all slaves to God. We all owe him a huge debt that we can never repay a rescuing that we didn't and do not deserve. And so there's an aspect of our lives that maybe, well, we are slaves to God. We were bought with a price. There is a debt that we can't repay. But the incredible thing is, is that because of the power of the cross, Jesus has come and he has taken our debt. He's taken our shame and our sin and our wrongdoing upon himself. And when he died for us, he cleared the slate The check cleared, he wiped the record clean and he got rid of it. We are set free, we are made clean, we are redeemed. We've traded our dirty robes, our dirty rags for his righteousness. But that's why it's so important that we see ourselves as children of God because that identity supersedes everything else. Our identity doesn't need to be one of slavery because my identity is that I am God's child because it was our father who paid the debts for us. It was our father who came and paid the debts for us. It wasn't like we're indebted to someone else, someone off in the distance. It is our father who came and stepped in and said, I will pay the debt that you can't pay. I will pay the price that I know you can't pay. I will step in because you are my child, because I love you, because you are my son or my daughter. And so it's so crucial we understand that we are God's children. 
because I wonder how many of us still live with a slavery mindset. How many of us still live with a debt mindset that we have to repay God for what he's done for us? And I think many of us do because I think that's why our works-based faith is so attractive to many of us. I think that's why it can be so ensnaring and so easy to fall into because it gives us a sense of paying back what we owe God. I need to work really hard. I need to do all these things. I need to be busy. I need to be involved in as many things as I can because this is my way of paying God back. I need to do bigger and greater things for God so that I can pay him back. And this is why it's so easy to place our worth and our value in the things that we can do Because then the more that I can do for God means the more of my debt that I'm paying off. And the more of my debt that I pay off, then therefore the more value and the more worth I am to God because I have a lower debt. And if you want to hear more about this, I encourage you to listen to Carl's message last week. Because if I can pay off my debt and I can become more valuable to God, then also the more I can do compared to you, the more of my debt that I have paid off than you have. If I can do more than you can do, then I can pay off more of my debt than you can pay off. Therefore, to God, I am more valuable to him than you are. And so this can't be the system that God used because we are all his children and there is nothing we can do to increase our value to him. He is our father. We are his children. Our value is in that regardless of what we do. And so that can't be what God used because the reality is we can never pay him back for what he has done. It is impossible for us to clear that we never can and we never will. And so I'm not a theologian by any stretch of the means and I can't speak on what Jesus was thinking. But one of the things I wonder if the reason Jesus said that wasn't because Jesus suddenly saw his disciples in a whole new way. Not because he suddenly had a new revelation about who they were. Suddenly he loved them in a whole new way. It wasn't that he saw them in a new light, but he was saying it so that they and that we can see Jesus in a whole new way. I wonder if Jesus is saying to us, I no longer call you slaves, but now I call you my friend. Not because Jesus looks at us differently now, but so that we can look differently at Jesus. Now we can understand that I am no longer a slave, so I don't have to try and pay off my debts to God. I don't have to try and be busy. I don't have to try and get better at what I'm, you know, or do more for God or see bigger things or do all that because no longer am I a slave. I'm not trying to pay off a debt. I am no longer a slave, but I am a friend of God. I am his child. My worth and my value are set. And when you understand that you're not a slave, but a friend, this changes everything about your relationship with him. Now you are working with him and not for him. Now you don't work because you feel you have to, but now you work because you want to. When you understand that you're not a slave, but a friend, you can be obedient Like it talks about, he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. Now you can be obedient, not because you're a slave and and he is your master, but because he, as it says, he's confided in you. It says a master doesn't confide in his slaves. It says he's revealed everything to us. So now we can work because we understand what he is doing. 
We understand his plans. We understand his purposes. We understand the way the kingdom works. And so our desire then is to serve and to be generous and to get involved and to follow him, not because he's the master and we're the slave, but because we know what is coming. We know what his plan is. We know what he's done for us. And that spurs us on. When you understand that your father is also your friend, you deal with correction totally differently. Now God is not some distant figure pointing his disapproving finger at you from the clouds. Now you understand that he's here with you. He's right here. He's spurring you on. He's encouraging you. He's helping you that he wants the best for you. Now your time doesn't need to be spent working for God. Now that he calls you your friend, he calls you his friend. You can work with him. You are a co-laborer with Christ. And what happens when two friends work together? What happens when friends are in the thick of it together? They're going through the hard times. They're doing the hard work. There's a bond and a closeness that forms through that. If you've served in any area, you've done anything, if you were involved in the Christmas box yesterday, if you're involved in the production over the years or doing anything together, yes, it's hard work at times, but when you're doing it with a group of friends, there's a real bond and a unity, the idea that we're on a direction together, we're doing something together. There's a closeness that forms from that. But if you see God as the boss and not, not as a friend, then when those hard times come, when those rough patches occur, when you go through those storms, now it's not that you're building that bond. Now it's God's fault. If you think about your work situation, if you're going through a rough patch or there's lots of work to be done, generally the relationship between you and your boss gets a little bit further apart. There's a little bit of that resentment that happens, but the employees that you're with together, there's a unity that comes. When you're in the thick of it doing the hard yards, And so it's really crucial, actually, that we understand that God is also our friend so that when we're working hard, when we're serving him, when we're getting up early, when we're giving up Saturdays, when we're giving our finances, that actually draws us closer to him rather than further away. We are no longer slaves. We are friends of Jesus. Our debts have been paid. We have been made clean. We can work with God and not for him. And as the band comes back to lead us in our next song, I want to ask you this morning, how do you see yourself? What position do you place yourself in? Because there will be people this morning who still live with a debt mindset, a slavery mindset that you're working hard, you're striving hard because I've got to win God's favor. I've got to pay off my debt. I've got to win that approval. My value is in that. Maybe you see God as a distant figure looking down at you disapprovingly. And if you're in either of those boats, I hope that what I've shared this morning has been encouraging. I hope it's given you a different perspective because the great thing is we don't have to live that way. And so we're going to sing a song now called No Longer Slaves. No Longer Slaves. And so if you're here this morning and you still feel like you are a slave... Maybe you've been placing your value and your worth in the things that you can do. Maybe you don't see God as a friend. Maybe you don't feel like he's close with you. Maybe you don't feel like you have that relationship, that intimacy with him. And if that's you this morning, I wanna ask you that as we sing these words, I am no longer a slave, I am a child of God. I want you to declare them over your life. I want you to sing them as a declaration going, I am no longer a slave. I am a child of God. 
You might not believe it at first. It might not be real in your heart. But we know that there's power in the words that we speak. When we speak a different truth, when we speak a different reality over our life, that you are no longer a slave, but you are a child, you are a friend of God. And so why don't you stand with me this morning? I'd like to pray for you. And then the band's gonna lead us. Father, we thank you that you no longer consider us slaves. You call us your friends. We are your children. Lord, that our worth, our value is not in what we can do, but it is in who you have made us. That you don't expect us to pay off the debt because we never could. You took the price that we could never pay. And you took it upon yourself. You wiped our slate clean. You made us new again. And Father, for those here this morning who maybe don't consider themselves friends of you, Maybe they don't have that close relationship with you. I ask that as we sing this song, you would pour out your spirit again afresh in their lives. That you would stir again in their hearts a sense of your closeness and of your love and of your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We are no longer slaves.